Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash foodbank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Of course, this is the post-game podcast. We'll have a pre-game coming up. Uh, today, Reese Davis is going to join us. We'll talk about uh, college football and, co- uh, co- of course, uh, college game day, which uh, uh, is a different situation now. There'll be a Clemson-Miami this week, uh, but obviously you don't have a bunch of fans around the uh, that are involved. In it. I mean, it, it really, in a way, it's kind of sad, but I, I do want to say this. Saturday, being at the game, sitting in the press box. Okay, now there weren't very many people there because it's only allowing so many press credentials. They, uh, you know, the uh, the the lounge area back there was basically empty, no table set up or anything. It was a little strange. Again, going to the game was bizarre. You know, it just you didn't see anybody instead of fighting through people and banging off people because you can't see very well. I'm speaking of me, of course. Um, it was strange going to the game. But once I sat there and, and got all set up and they got ready to kick it off, it felt normal to me. And it was kind of great because when you think about where we were, I mean, June and July were up and down. And I know a lot of people were sick and tired of me talking negatively and, and not thinking we were going to have a football season. But I, you could only go with what you had heard that day, what the information was coming. But to have these games going on is great. And then you and then you get to go home and watch more football and, and great games. Now, the game I was expecting to be a great game wasn't, but there were some great games to watch. Um, obviously, I saw what all, all of you saw. It didn't take a genius to figure it out. Florida was um, very good through three quarters almost um offensively they were they were on you know uh, defensively they they kind of got their second wind um after the start they had a bad start i mean in, in mike bobo's scripted plays colin hill's not bad they drove right down the field scored and the only other touchdown came of course after the trash fumble so you're feeling really good about the situation at 38 14 and Man, this Florida team, they just feel like they can score whenever they get the ball. And then everything went a little sour. Uh, Not sour enough, mainly because of the way South Carolina approached the game. But the defense started to give up plays. 
and uh, obviously the offense had three straight three and outs, and, and you can't do that. That's how you get come. That's how teams come back on you. It's not always just because your defense doesn't do a good job. It's because your offense doesn't stay on the field. Now, that I think there was some questionable play calling there. Uh, I think Florida is still not at the point where they have a a great tailback. Uh, not not nothing against the guys that are in there, but uh, or an off a, an offensive line tailback combination where you can say, "Hey, look, we got to get eleven yards, ten yards, obviously, but let's go get eleven yards twice, and this game is pretty much over because we've taken so much time off the clock they can't come back." And now they were um, South Carolina actually helped Florida by taking their time to drive down the field. And, of course, you know, fourth down, the guy's open. Uh, Colin Hill throws it a little bit behind him. Uh, Shai Smith, their best receiver, he can't handle it. Game's over now. But it was still uh, – all you could think about coming out of there was, man, what if he caught that and now it's a seven-point game and they all say kick. you got to score quicker. I thought Mullen was really interesting talking about this Monday when he said, you know, the problem – when you're down two touchdowns, you know you can't score the second touchdown unless you score the first one. And so you've got to make sure you score the first one or or trying to score twice isn't going to matter. And I think that um, you've still got to hurry it up a little bit, though. And we did not see that out of South Carolina. And, of course, people are upset with, uh, with Coach Muschamp. And, you know, it's two games in a row where – made questionable decisions and had a chance, but um, they, they certainly dug themselves a big hole. But, hey, the bottom line is Florida's 2-0. and They won the two games you, you, you knew you had to win. I mean, look, there are, there are going to be bigger games, and one of them is Saturday. But as we go forward with this, with this season, and, and it is just great to be able to get back into a rhythm where you're, all right, Tuesday's the podcast, Wednesday's this, Thursday – you know, for us, not just the team, but for us. But there are concerns about this defense, and I, I wrote about them in my column. But I, it, it is funny, you know. I mentioned that they're on pace to give up the most first downs in the history of Florida football. Now, that's not going to happen, okay? I don't think that's going to happen because they're on pace at twenty-seven first downs a game average to give up two hundred seventy. You still got Vandy on the schedule. You know, you still got Missouri on the schedule. Things are going to even out. I think defense is going to catch up with offense a little bit. But if you were wondering, the most Florida ever gave up, and again, this was a 13, no, what, 12 game season or 13 game season, yeah, was in 2007. They gave up 262 first downs. And that defense was terrible. It was, it was filled with NFL players, but they were freshmen. And they weren't ready to play, and they struggled. They lost so much to the to the uh, NFL the year before, and they just really struggled defensively. And they still were a really good team. You know, they were nine and three going to the bowl game. But that's the thing. This season is like everybody. I think kind of looks at everything that happens, and they're they're reacting to it differently than maybe they would have in a normal season. In the first place, most of you 
are watching it on TV. Although, I I salute the fans that showed up and, and made as much noise as they could. I thought they did a good job. But most of you are watching the game on TV. I will be watching the game on TV Saturday. And uh, so you kind of hear what the announcers are saying. You're, you know... You're, you're kind of dealing with it differently than maybe you, you would have a year ago because a year ago you'd have been at the game, 80,000 people would have been at the game at least. So you've got that, and then you also have this condensed season. Now, when we say condensed, this isn't Pac-12 condensed or, or Big Ten condensed or um, certainly not, what is it, South Dakota State or North Dakota State? North Dakota State, whoever's got that great quarterback, he played. They're gonna, they played one game. And that was it. That was just to give him, uh, give him a little show for the uh, scouts. Although he wasn't overly impressive. But I digress. The point is, it is a condensed season. From Even though it has expanded in terms of number of SEC games you play. So you went from a 12-game season to a 10-game season, but you went from an 8-game season to a 10-game season. Does any of that make any sense? But because I think everybody's looking at Florida differently this year, can they get to the playoff? Can they win the East? Can they win, uh, you know, win the SEC championship? So when you look at them after a game, you're looking at them differently. How differently? I'll tell you right after we take a break on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, yeah, here's how they're look. You look at them differently. You're looking at them with a lot of nitpicking and and second guessing. Now we all do that. Gator fans have always done that for as long as there's been a a history. I'm sure there was somebody that said, you know, I know that Kerwin Bell ran that ball in for the two point conversion to beat Auburn eighteen seventeen. But where was the offense earlier? I'm sure there were a few people like that. I'm sure that. Uh, there were some people after Doring's got a touchdown were going, seven picks? Come on, we can't win the SEC that way. But, but for the most part, you, you're just happy to win the game. I think right now, 
especially with the way this schedule started. You know, with Ole Miss and then uh, South Carolina, and now it kind of elevates up just a little bit to Texas A&M and then a little more to LSU. And I know they had bad losses, but they're still better teams and they have better players. So we kind of look at things differently. We look at things and go, I don't know if it's going to be good enough. It, you know, is it good enough to beat Georgia? Is it good enough to beat Alabama? Is it good enough to win in the playoffs? And th- and that's fine. That's what college football is about: is looking ahead. And we're allowed to do that. I've I've said this over and over again. Players can't do that. We can do it all we want. We can look at the Georgia game and go, I don't know about that game. And obviously, the events of Saturday kind of changed everybody's perspective a little bit. I think, I I may be wrong on this, but I think it did. I think after the opening day game in the SEC, I think everybody went, wow, LSU's not going to be as tough a game as we thought it was going to be. Maybe A&M's not going to be as tough as you thought it was going to be. Florida looked really good. Scored a lot of points. Yeah, the defense struggled, but they'll be all right. They were missing a bunch of guys. Georgia didn't look good. They were up 7-5 at the half, or down 7-5 at the half to Arkansas. And, um, you know, they came back in the second half. But, you know, I think everybody kind of had this view of, I think Florida and Georgia are about the same. And then after Saturday, everybody goes, "Uh, Georgia's better than Florida. Now, again, I'm not saying everybody says that, but I think a lot of people feel like that. Know this. After Saturday, after this coming Saturday, you may, may feel totally different, and then after the Saturday after that, you may feel totally different. This is the way college football seasons are, and especially this one. But it did feel like it changed. The dynamic changed, even though it really didn't. You know, and that's, you know, what, what Georgia – has kind of realized they can win with Stetson Bennett, the fourth, and um, just just have him manage the game and be a good, solid – he's just got to be Jake Fromm. You know, Jake Fromm was a really good player, but he was not extraordinary, okay? He won a lot of games for them. And that's that's where the recruiting that they've done – and one reason that they have an edge on Florida is because they've recruited better. That's where it has really paid off in that they can say, hey, look, we're going to be a great defense again. We just need to be okay on offense. And there's going to be days when we're really good on offense. When we get the running game going, George Pickens, you can't stop him. They, they develop some other receivers. They, they're almost an old-school SEC team, whereas Florida's kind of this new-school team, throw it all over the place, give up a bunch of points, still win the games. And obviously, when they get to that point, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I don't want to get too far ahead because I don't even want to get to the Texas A&M game. We'll talk about that on Thursday, okay? That's uh, when we preview the game. Uh, but obviously... Uh, we want to see what we want to see out of Florida is a better defensive effort. Uh, I, but again, I go back. I, I really think the big problem for Florida is in the interior line. I mean, it's not that the players they have there aren't good; they don't have enough of them, and they're they're forced to play Zachary Carter as kind of a tackle. But 
he's not, he's really an in, and and it was really interesting what Mullen said. He goes, he doesn't have that twitch to play in, so we we bulked him up to play tackle. But you know, he 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 can do some things at tackle. But they you know, the other problem they have is because of the mysterious situation with Kyrie Campbell um, not being able to play. Who knows if he will play at all this year? Um, they they don't have big numbers there. You know they're playing Gervon Dexter, who's a massive kid. He's going to be great. I have no doubt that I could be sitting here um, when he's a junior, telling you how I'd put him on my All SEC team or maybe All American team. But for him right now, you don't want him playing too many plays. And again, like I said. They ran 48 plays, South Carolina did. You can't have that. Florida's got to get off the field because they don't have – and their ends don't seem to be physical enough to hold the edge. So it's a real concern. Now, will they get better as we go forward? We'll see. Will they get better in the secondary? We'll see. You know, not having some players for certain you know parts of games has been a factor. Uh, but we'll see going forward. Uh, I did like the fact that uh, watching Kadarius Tony on special teams, um, you know, he's going to break one very soon, obviously. And he broke that that play um, that was just a great, you know, when you watch Kadarius Tony make that play, you're you're just saying get him the ball more, get him the ball a hundred times a game, like hundred. You can't get it to him a hundred times. But not only did he did he run towards where his quarterback was scrambling. Now think about that. He ran the right way. Guy, I always it drives me crazy when I see guys. Quarterback starts to scramble to his left, and they start going across field to the right. Well, he ain't gonna throw it all the way over there. It's he'd have to throw against his body. Instead, it, made, it was an easy throw for Trask. He he outran the the lead guy, and then burst through three four guys. Kelsey and I had an argument about that whether it was three guys or four guys, and she, she still insists she's right and I'm wrong. She may be right. But that was the kind of play where you saw you it, you went, hey, oh, did Percy Harvin dress out? And that's been what I think people have wanted to see out of Kadarius Tony, but haven't been able to see it because Percy Harvin was a really good receiver, too. And I think Kadarius is getting there. So you add that into with Trayvon Grimes. Florida added another receiver this week because Jordan Pouncey got his um, his uh, eligibility. You know, shorter. Up- is is catching balls, although he seems to be more of the bubble screen, physical blocking guy. You know, Whittemore looks really good. I thought he was going to have a good year, and he is. So they're in good shape there. And, of course, you've got Pitts. You've got this guy who's this amazing super freak of a talent, and nobody knows really how to deal with him other than to cover him to the point where you're leaving other guys open. Um it's amazing. Pitts has 12 catches this year. Six are for touchdowns. The other six are for first downs. It's a pretty good stat there. So, and Kyle Trask has been really good um, so far. You know, I, I think he's just going to continue to get better. I think one thing that did hurt Florida a little bit in that game Saturday was not having Emory Jones available. Now, he hurt his wrist in the Mississippi game. He was wearing a brace. I don't know if it was even in the Mississippi game. It could have been a practice. He was wearing a brace on campus. Dan Mullen got all mad because we brought it up. And now he's not going to talk about injuries anymore. And then he, he kind of walked it back a little bit yesterday. If a guy's out for the year, he'll tell us. But he doesn't want the other team to know. 
who's out and who's not. So he dressed Emory Jones because he wanted them to think he was playing or that he could play. And that you better have that pack. You better have that package right. See, you if if you're getting ready for Emory, you have to have your defense have a defensive package ready for Emory Jones, and he's not playing. You they've wasted their time, and that's the thing that. I think Mullen was hoping for. But when the word kind of snuck out, now they don't have to waste time on Emory Jones. So, he, you know, that's one reason I think he was out there running around because they wanted to make them think, oh, man, we got we to have that package ready. But I think that did hurt Florida that there was a point in that game where you said, you know, it would be great if you bring in Emory Jones in here and he runs the ball a lot and you're able to pick up some first downs and this game gets over with quicker. Because I'll be honest with you. At 38-14, I was kind of looking at my computer going, I think I can – let me see if I can find another game to watch. And, again, when I, I – you've heard me say this before. I don't ever take my eyes off the Florida game, but I look down in between plays to watch a game. And then all of a sudden I went, oops, i got to go back to taking play-by-play. So, anyway, uh, the other games in the SEC, obviously um, A&M uh, got destroyed by Alabama. Look, I said this last week. Alabama's it's set up so beautifully for them. They're going to be in the championship game. Um, we'll see who they play, and, and I'll know a lot more by then whether the team they play can beat them. It does feel like an Alabama-Clemson collision course, but obviously there's some big games this week. Um, the Ole Miss win over Kentucky, um, it surprised me a little bit. I thought, Kentucky, of course, because I picked Kentucky, I thought Kentucky would be – too physical for Ole Miss because the Ole Miss team that I saw um, the previous Saturday wasn't physical and that was part of their problem and I felt like Ole Miss would be able to find a way to uh, I'm sorry Kentucky would be able to find a way to control the ball keep them off the field that didn't happen and Matt Corral's leading the SEC in completion percentage he boy I tell you what now he he went to the right. I mean, I'm not saying not coming to Florida was the right thing, but he went to the right place for him personally because, and he didn't last year, <laughs> but this year he's in the right place. He's playing for Lane Kiffin, and he's going to make a lot of big plays for them. Um, so that that one surprised me. Obviously, Arkansas beating Mississippi State. I cannot pick Mississippi State games anymore. I should not be allowed. I'm 0 2. I can't pick their games. I and I don't know what to do this week. I'll get to that on Thursday, but I don't know what to do with that game. Mississippi State, there is a Mike Leach factor there. He's always struggled the game after he's won a big game and upset somebody and everybody's raving about him and all how great they are and it's, you know, greatest show on turf and they can't be stopped and all of a sudden they get they get stopped and nothing goes goes right for them. Um, Tennessee, Missouri was a blowout. LSU, Vandy, was what we expected it would be. Um, so nothing serious there. Uh, the good news also this week is that Florida got Demarcus Bowman to transfer in, which we all felt was going to happen after he left up there. It, it is a sad story. He went up to uh, Clemson, uh, and he Florida really recruited him hard. And when I say hard, they spent a lot of time with him. You know, they spent an inordinate amount of time with Demarcus Bowman trying to get him in. Um, his, but he went to Clemson mainly because his dad, his grandfather lived in Atlanta. He wanted his grandfather to see him play. His grandfather passed away, which is very sad. So 
Um, once that happened, he said, I, now I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to Florida. So um, that's a, another five-star get for Florida. But, you know, the other five, one of the other five stars, well, the other five-star running back, Lorenzo Lingard, we don't know what the heck's going on there. In fact, I, it's funny because the way the Zoom calls are set up now that we have to do, deal with, you kind of get a couple of questions and then you're done. And you, you're you going in a direction. You know, you want to – you you're trying to write a certain story in a certain way and you can't just kind of come back and go, Oh, by the way, Lorenzo Lingard, what's going on with him? And no, I don't think anybody asked a question about him, but maybe we will, uh, maybe I'll ask cause we have a Wednesday teleconference with Dan Mullen. So maybe I'll ask him then what's going on with him. Um, all right. So let us take a break and we'll talk to Reese Davis. That is a fun thing. You're probably tired of hearing me talk anyway. And then we'll come back uh, after the break, after Reese Davis. Got some other things to talk about. What team most likely to go over the SEC? Also, three things, as you know. We'll get to that and more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by Reese Davis. You know him well from ESPN Game Day and ESPN This and ESPN That. He does everything. Um, and I know that it's been a weird deal for you. I, I, I don't. I can't believe that they can get all four of you in that picture, you know, on TV. I mean, it, you guys are so spread out, which is great to see. You know, it's uh, it's funny because a lot of people don't like the look, and when I review the show, I will admit that it looks a little strange. But actually, executing the show. I, I told the guys, uh, our crew the other day, I said, when this pandemic is over, I really want to keep this desk. Uh, it, it keeps me away from these knuckleheads. It gives us some space. and uh, uh, So I don't know what the plans are, but I actually kind of like it. I like it from an execution standpoint, but certainly it, it, looks, it looks a little different as we uh, attempt to keep our distance from one another. Yeah, and as we get at least where we're feeling more normal, I'll tell you, Reese, personally, uh, to be in that stadium Saturday and be in that press box, you know, was the first was the closest thing to normal I've felt. I, I still don't feel normal, but it, it felt somewhat normal. But just you know, to have these football games where we're when the game starts, all we're thinking about is football. That must be a great pleasure for you, because as you know, in July, I didn't I didn't know if we were going to be playing football at all this fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it has been. Um, now I've only I've only been to one game. At, uh, typically, I stay um, when we do game day and, and go to the games. This year, because of the situation and just because of uh, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to go, but I think it puts um, you know my my role is is not as defined. You know, when when we stay, it's more for uh, it's partially for enjoyment. It's partially for education for future shows and all of that but the strain and the you know the accommodations that people might have to make you know for me to stay just don't really seem worth it so i've only i've been to the game that i called i called the navy byu game in a completely empty stadium and that was strange uh, and watching on television 
the sounds are certainly different, and it seems, you know, you'll hear the crowd, but it just, it just doesn't seem the same. The football's great, and you sort of lose yourself in that, but then all of a sudden somebody will score a touchdown, and the camera will catch, uh, you know, a little a little piece of the crowd, and it'll be sparse or empty depending on the stadium. So, it's yeah, it's a, it's a different situation, but certainly I'm glad that, that we have, uh, you know, that, that they're playing. I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the right thing for the players. I think it's the right thing for everybody to play. But there are some, you know, accommodations that have to be made in order to try to uh, protect as many people as possible. Yeah, that game you called, uh, there were the fans, there were no fans and no Navy football team either. They didn't show up for that game either. That no, was, my goodness. Yeah, that, was yeah, that was surprising. Yeah. Yeah, it was. They had a similar performance. Not that I know you want to spend your time for your podcast talking about the midshipmen, but uh, you know they had a similar performance on uh, on Saturday yeah, at Air did. Force, which was yeah. surprising. But they, you know, they have a new quarterback who's a senior, um, a young man that I got a chance to talk to. A really, a really cool guy. He wasn't able to make the trip. They didn't exactly say why, but they were they were with uh, backup quarterbacks at air force and you know and it didn't go well for them so yeah it's been it's been strange we've seen a lot of that not just with them but with different teams across the country especially in the early going about you know performances have been a little bit uneven and now of course you're at clemson miami and at clemson which is a game that i'm looking forward to watching uh certainly when we get done with our work but uh you know, uh, I, I, I guess Miami finds out if they're legit or not, and we find out if Miami is legit or not. But, you know, even if they're competitive, I think you'll have to say they're legit. For them to win this game, though, would just kind of set the college world's hair on fire. They win the game. They should be ranked number one next week. Uh, you know, because who else is going to do that? You know, I, mean, I know it's not the same as when it's full, but still to go on the road and beat that team, um, you know, with Give them, make them deserving of being number one in my judgment. Um, I think what we're going to find out is whether whether anyone has gotten closer to Clemson, mm-hmm. um, or at least whether Miami has. And I agree with you. They they can be legit without winning the game. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of do they look like they belong. And for most of the last couple of years, um, with the exception of the occasional sleepwalk game that Clemson might have played to let a you know, North Carolina or Syracuse stick around and stay closer. And one year, in case Syracuse actually beat them, uh, with the exception of those games, no one in the ACC has looked as if they belong on the field with Clemson. And I think that there are some candidates. Uh, I don't think anyone in that conference is as good as uh, as the Tigers, but there are several candidates to see if perhaps there's someone who's got who. Who are getting closer? Uh, Notre Dame, obviously, for this year. North Carolina, and I think top of the list based on the way they played in the first couple of weeks is Miami, and we'll find out on Saturday night. Yeah, and uh, we'll find out if a team from the state of Texas can win a game, other than SMU. I mean, that that is amazing to see what is going on out there with all those teams, and I think it goes back to recruiting that that uh, for for different reasons. Teams have been able to come in there and get the top recruits out. And, of course, in some cases, you know, a guy like Kyle Trask was a two-star. And although I did, we did not – we just found out on Monday. I, I actually asked him the question on the Zoom call uh, where his name Kyle came from because I was just curious where the two Kyles came from. What was their name? And it turned mm-hmm. out he was named after Kyle Fields. So that is that was kind of cool. And now we'll see if uh, he's able to go in there and enjoy it. But, you know, what's going on with Texas and – 
and A and M, and it's just kind of amazing how how poorly they're all, they're starting out this season. In in big games too, and that's been that's been uh, bugaboo surprisingly for me for both uh, Tom Herman and Jimbo, yeah. and there are a lot of parallels uh, between the two. I I just I don't know. It keeps feeling to me uh, like if A and M could ever break through and win one of those games, you know they've been. You know they've been close a few times. A couple of years ago, you know they gave uh, they gave Alabama a pretty good run in College Station for a while, kind of a rally type game. Um, you know I called the game uh, two years ago when they had a great opportunity to beat Clemson and they didn't. And I sort of it's almost like it's some type of block with them that they can't quite get over the hump in the big game. They don't quite make the play. They did some. Decent things against Alabama at times. They didn't let them. Didn't let them run. They, you know, Jimbo grew up some pretty good stuff to have create some great matchups and and get their running back out of the backfield wide open for a lot of big plays. And but they just they just don't finish the deal. They just don't make enough big plays. They don't make the winning plays. And I know that's a nebulous thing, but a lot of times that's what separates the team from being pretty good and, and being a contender. That's what's missing with them. Uh, Texas has a new defensive coordinator, got a new offensive coordinator. I don't really know what to make of them. Um, they actually played well um, Saturday and had a chance to win the game, but, you know, TCU had their number. I mean, Gary, uh, Gary has just owned them. I think he's won six of seven and seven of nine since they've been in the Big 12. You know, TCU just has their number. They can't beat them. And it's um, – you know, so I, I actually wasn't surprised by the outcome. I thought TCU would win the game. And uh, so, you know, but I am a little surprised that Texas played as poorly as he did against Texas Tech and, and makes it a huge game for both um, for both Texas and Oklahoma on Saturday, just in terms of whether their season uh, will be total washes or not. Yeah, it is kind of funny when you think no state fair, very few fans, neither team's any good. You know, you, yeah, that, yeah. that's not what we're used to with that game. But you know, uh, let's go back to the SEC a bit with with Kyle Trask and, of course, the the story that's been so great for a year. It's almost like we're yeah you know, we've done the story a million times. But when you look around this conference, it is kind of strange in that. And that you've got uh, obviously Thurston Howell the third, as I call him at Georgia, being <laughs> b- being the quarterback there when everybody thought it was going to be somebody else. You got Mac Jones is now considered a Heisman candidate and replacing Tua uh, Tonga Viola. You know some of the guys that have waited around like Miles uh, Brennan are doing well. Um, so it's been kind of a weird. We knew this year was going to be different. Last year was kind of you know you had Burrow, you had Fromm, you had uh, Tua, you had all these these stars. This year it was kind of we we didn't know, but it's it, it feels like it's going pretty good for everybody offensively. It, it does, and those guys you mentioned have have been patient for the most part. You know, I know Stetson left and uh, went to junior college, and then came back when Justin Fields left Georgia. Um, but, you know, they, I mean, they had him running scout team in the week leading up to the first game. It was sort of a desperate move. They knew he could play, but I think they just thought that he was, you know, undersized and a good roster type guy. And it's, uh, you know, I know it's early, but he played well the other night. I mean, he, and, and against Arkansas in the second half, he, he made gutsy throws. He, you know, he, he let the ball go and he wasn't reckless with it, but he wasn't, 
um, risk-averse. And the, the way football is played these days, Pat, you know this, guys can't be afraid. Um, you know, there's a difference between taking a risk and giving your guy a chance to make a play, your receiver, I mean, and being reckless. You certainly don't want your quarterback to be reckless, but you also don't, in this day, they can't be risk-averse. It's hard to move the ball down the field five yards at a time and they can dunk, you know? Yeah, they can play. And, and Bennett has been able to do that. And, the, uh, and certainly <laughs> certainly Kyle Trask and Matt Jones have, uh, have shown a, a propensity for, uh, for doing it. Um, you know, it's sort of, a, sort of a funny thing. I think um, Kyle has, has just been the product, the latest product, and he's, he's very talented, obviously. He's got a lot of ability, but just the latest uh, pupil of Dan Mullen, who I regard as good at quarterback coaches there, is in football, period. And, you know, not only is he a, um, a great friend of game day and does fantastic every time he's gracious enough with his time to do interviews from the field, but man, oh man, can he coach quarterbacks and, and coach offense? And, and Kyle is a great example of that. And, um, you know, I, I think the, as far as Matt Jones goes, his demeanor has helped him a lot. Mm-hmm. He's been patient. Um, he's, you know, he's noted in Tuscaloosa for talking trash to Nick Saban back when he was, you know, running the scout team. He'll, he'll make a throw. You know, they call him the Joker. You know, so he's got he's got a little devil may care to him. I mean, you know, that one I think that one touchdown pass that he threw eighty something yards or whatever the other it's like on third and eight. He wasn't thinking about getting the first down, he thought, Well, let's just score. And, you know, there's a little there's a lot to be said for that attitude, um, in the right measure from a quarterback and I think you've seen it from Mac and I think you've seen it from Kyle at Florida. Before I let you go, um we we, I, I think it because of the practice schedules that everybody's been dealing with. You know, Dan Mullen even pointed out we're just getting used to the live aspect of football, which mm-hmm. so we've seen offenses kind of dominate. The SEC threw for four thousand yards the first week, and it did come down about five hundred this week. But um, do you think we're going to see that as we go forward, where the offenses kind of the defenses usually it's the other way around? Offenses catch up with defenses, where the defenses catch up with the offenses. Yeah, that's a great point because you always when when you look at those first scrimmages uh, for teams in normal years, I mean, uh, all of the fans when they start hearing what happened, they start panicking about their offense almost always, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, the offense couldn't get a first down against the first defense, and you know they they don't know if that's good or bad. It has been different. I think Dan's right on to something. I think a lot of it is uh, is the schedule, and you know we referenced earlier the Navy BYU game. I. I uh, you know, you could easily question uh, Ken Yamatololo's judgment. They didn't tackle a hit at all, and it showed. And I think a lot of teams have been careful about the way they've gone about it, and perhaps it's, you know, it's shown. I mean, uh, obviously LSU playing man against Mississippi State has been something that coaches around the world have questioned. <laughs> but the thing that is uh, that was remarkable about it, they gave up, what, 383 yards, I think, by LSU's count after the catch. Yeah. So that means they, you know, not only were they not able to stay with them, they couldn't tackle them when they got a chance. So that was, you know, that was a problem as well. So I, I think you might see oh, oh, it come back a little. I don't think you're going to see, you know, Pat Dye and Stewart grind it out, you know, 1914 type games. But I, I could see it come back, come down from those gaudy numbers that we saw uh, the opening week for sure. He is Reese Davis from ESPN. We appreciate his time. As always, we'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast right after this break. 
thanks so much to Reese Davis for coming on. Great guy and uh, really knows what he's talking about. And I know he's kind of in the in the same boat with a lot of us, me and you and a dog named Boo. We're sitting there. We're so happy they're playing football. We're so happy we can uh, have that to talk about. We, you know, in my case to write about, in his case to to do uh, college game day. But it's still not the same, and it's not where we want it to be. It's like on a one to ten scale, college football season's a ten. Not no college football season's a one. It's about a six, you know, and maybe when the the big. 10 and the Pac-12 come back it'll be a 7. It still won't be a it won't be anywhere close to a 10. In fact I may even be giving it too high of a mark because of the lack of fans. Um, Alright so we're going to talk about some other other things that are going on in college football. Uh, Florida State's going to start Jordan Travis their third starting quarterback um, which is uh, it, it, it's a mess up there and probably won't get any better when they play Notre Dame Um Obviously, FSU. I mean, uh, Clemson. Miami is a game we'll talk about on Thursday. Um, but there, here's another thing that's going on with the SEC games. There's supposed to be a ton of rain. There's a, uh, I don't know if it's a hurricane yet, but a tropical depression that's going to hit. A couple of games could be severely affected. Hopefully, not the Florida game. Um, I, and Alabama game could be affected by. There's a couple other games that they're worried about. Even possibility of having to move. What what's next? Bring back the murder hornets. Is that what we're gonna have next? It's unbelievable, really. Um, I did want to uh, talk about the uh, because I was thinking about this when Arkansas won. Look, I thought there was very easily was a chance that we could have an zero and ten SEC team. Which at that point you're saying, why did we come back and play? Now you know. Arkansas clearly, I mean, they won one game, and I was happy for Felipe Franks. Kelsey and I were watching that game. Certainly weren't watching Auburn-Georgia because that was a dog game. <laughs> I mean, it's Auburn. I, I can't explain Auburn. I, I cannot explain Auburn. It's impossible. I wish I could tell you why they win some games and why they lose some games. I, I I thought Georgia would win, but I did not see that game going like that. Where at halftime I go, hey, we got to find something else to watch. So we did. We had UCF and and Tulsa, and then we had um, uh, the Arkansas game on the two TV. So that was kind of fun. So now we only have four teams that have no wins. There's no point in even saying no conference wins because there's only conference games in the SEC. Nobody in the West. Everybody in the West has won a game. All right, Kentucky. Kentucky's going to win a game, okay? Um, it, it, I feel bad for Mark Stoops. He never seems to get a break. And you saw him chasing the um, chasing the referees after the game. You know, the, the image that came to mind for me was that scene in Hoosiers when the team is running off the court and shooter – uh, who's played by Dennis Hopper, is kind of running with those little choppy steps and behind him and looks out of place. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, so Kentucky will win a game, and I think they'll still come back. Here's the thing, because everybody's eligible for a bowl, would you want a 2-8 and eight Kentucky team in your bowl? Yeah, I don't know. Missouri, I could see Missouri – not winning a game. They have not shown me a whole lot so far. 
I expected that with Eli Drinkwitz uh, only because he was taking over a different situation, the culture chain. The culture change from Barry Odom to Eli Drinkwitz is, I think, dramatic. Totally different guy. I, actually, there are parts of him. I've heard stories both ways. I've heard he is a lot of fun to, to deal with. I've heard he's a total schmegma. You know, I, I, I just – I don't know. I don't really care uh, until Florida plays them. But could they? Yeah. South Carolina will figure out a way to win a game eventually, okay? We know that. That leaves us Vanderbilt, and I don't see it. I think their best bet might have been that first game against Texas A&M. And after that game, you kind of felt good about them, and then they got destroyed by LSU, and now you start thinking ahead. And I wonder how – many guys are going to keep wanting to play hard. This is a problem that I think a lot of teams have and a lot of coaches have are getting their guys to play hard. And not everybody – There's, I'm telling you, there is a – not every team in college football, their coach is not always able to get them to play hard. That's one thing you have to identify. Which guys love football and which guys love being football players? Because there's a big difference. Do you love the game so much that you'll do anything? You'll do anything for the teammate next to you? Or do you just like being able to go out in a bar afterwards and go, yeah, I, I played my hardest, but we didn't win? There's a difference. I think that's the problem at Texas. I don't think they're they're I don't think they're playing hard all the time. You know, just from what I've observed and I've heard some things like that as well. So uh, we'll see what, what happens going forward with that. This was a subject I want to bring up, and I'll get to it quickly because I know um, this is already gone, uh, what are we, about 45 minutes almost. Um, but somebody said the other day that Team X was overrated. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. You know why? Pretty much everybody's overrated. You know who's not overrated? Alabama. Now, I have Alabama 1 in my poll. Most people have Clemson. Alabama, Clemson, neither one is overrated, though. Florida, probably a little overrated. Georgia, probably not overrated. But after that, it's pretty much everybody's a little bit overrated because, in the first place, we have a Big Ten, five teams ranked in the Big Ten. We haven't played a game. Don't play for a while. Only one in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 just like being ignored and that's Oregon, which if if Oregon if this season has started as expected as it I mean as it was supposed to and all their players are back, I was gonna have Oregon like four or five. Now they're ranked twelfth, and I don't think anybody expects much out of them. Guys opted out and that, that hurts them. So yeah, like North Carolina, are they I mean North Carolina beat Syracuse and Boston College by four. And they're ranked seventh in the country. Yeah, they're overrated. Texas A&M's still ranked 21st. They're overrated. Yeah, there are a lot of teams that are overrated. There's no, You have no choice. You have to overrate teams. You know, it's just the way it is this year. And the poll, don't forget my philosophy on the poll. The poll's just fun. It is just a shiny little trinket. It, and I do, I'm a poll voter. I take it very seriously. Let me tell you what. I start working on my poll Saturday morning. And I've got it so that here's the top 25 if everybody wins. And nobody does anything remarkable. 
And as the day goes on, I change it and I, I play with it and mess with it. And, and at night, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I had it ready to go and then I change one thing. It's a big deal to me because I want it to be representative of my opinion and, and I want it to matter to me and matter to people who look at it. But it's just a trinket. And it's a, it's a fun trinket, though. It's like, you know, when you were a little boy or a little girl and your dad came home with a shiny new toy, but it wasn't anything that was you cared about that much a year later or two years later. I, I don't think that was a good analogy. Let me, can I back that one up? No, that wasn't a good analogy. Any, anyway, you get my point. There's nothing wrong with the polls. It's fun. Just don't take them too seriously. But yeah, there are overrated teams all over the place. All right. <laughs> With that said, after that terrible analogy, let us get to three things. It's time for three things. All right. Number one on three things. Uh, definitely want to send a shout out and prayers to Bobby Bowden who uh, apparently contracted COVID while he was in the hospital for a leg infection. Look, you can hate Bobby Bowden and FSU all you want. I'm the guy who buys T-shirts, but Bobby Bowden is a good person, and I like him a lot. He treated me so well when I covered FSU, you know, and then my wife got a chance to uh, interview him for something she was doing for uh, Florida Physicians Magazine. She came away impressed. Look, he is – we don't want to lose him this way, I, I, I guess is the best way to say it, because you just feel for anybody at this point to have to be isolated. and It's just a sad way to be. So hopefully Bobby does well. And also Kevin Sumlin came down with it as well. And I always like Kevin Sumlin. Uh, I'm not sure how good a coach he is, but I think he's a really good guy. There's a lot of people that are, that, you know, this isn't over. Like I keep saying, it's not over. We've still got a long way to go. All right, number two. They are close to coming up with the plan for the one-time transfer portal and then putting it up for vote. So we'll see if that does happen. It feels like the momentum is there. It feels like people are in the mood to start doing this. I think it needs to happen. I think it should happen a long time ago. It is a stupid rule that if you want to go from one school to another, I mean, you should not be able to transfer within a season and play right away. I don't, I don't agree with that, and maybe that's part of the deal. But you shouldn't have to sit out the whole next year. That's, that's what's wrong. It'll be the wild, wild west, people will tell you. No, it isn't. People transfer all the time anyway. The way it, the SEC and NCAA handed out waivers this year, like it was a candy store, Is that affecting anything? Yeah, it's helping some teams, hurting others. Just the way it is. It's the way college football is. And I think it's not just college football. It's all the sports. You know, it used to be that way in baseball where you transferred and you you didn't have to sit out of here. And that brought us David Ross. All right, and finally, number three, you know, uh, the NFL is not college football, and so they're going to fire coaches – when they're when they're they they they're tired of them. They've got plenty of money to pay buyouts, and Bill O'Brien got fired. And I, the more I read about him, I can't believe that they put up with him as long as they did. Um, and Dan Quinn is not yet. 
I love Dan Quinn to death. He has been a big supporter of my golf tournament. Obviously, the f- former defensive coordinator here, he's always great to talk to. But it's gonna, you feel like it's going to happen. Now, in the NFL, there's usually you have the Black Monday where they, they talk about the day after the last game of the season on Sunday where guys get seven or eight guys get fired, and that's just the way it is. In college, it's going to be weird this year. And here's the thing. I kept saying they're not going to fire coaches in college football this year because of the finances involved when you're and, – and a lot of people feel this way about Will Muschamp. He'd go and tend and not get fired because of how much it's going to cost to get rid of him. And everybody's already having to deal with all the issues of, of the finances from not having fans, from not you know being able to do as much as you could. We're three weeks or two weeks in the SEC, but you know, like six weeks, I think this is week six if you go back to the very first college football game of the year. I've totally changed my mind on this. I think coaches will get fired. I think people say, look, we'll come up with the money. It's going to be difficult. We'll figure it out. We'll take out a loan. If we want to get rid of a guy, we're going to get rid of a guy. And I'm not saying Will Muschamp has anything to worry about. I'm just saying. I think you're going to see coaches get fired. I think as as this season goes on, now all of a sudden the emotions totally change. You go from we just want to play football, even if we go two and eight just to play football, we'll be happy. And coach, you got to pass this year because we understand what you're dealing with, what the players are dealing with, and we don't want to have to spend this money. And then you lose a couple games and go, ah, got to get a new coach. Yeah, we got it. We got to make a move. We got to make a change. We'll figure out the finances later. My my thoughts, my prediction, and you know how those often turn out. All right, that's going to do it. Went kind of long there. Golly, I'm sorry. You're you're on the treadmill and you say, come on, shut up so I can get off. But you can get off now because we'll get out of here. Don't forget, Thursday we'll be back with another podcast. And um, that'll be a preview. We'll look at all the big – it's going to be a fun Saturday, I think, in college football. And until then, I am Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.